Welcome to Perennials, a podcast about growing up, getting wise, and trying to live a good life. I'm Victoria Russell. I'm recording this the morning of the 4th of July. So in the U.S., that means that a lot of people, not everyone, unfortunately, but a lot of people have off from work. I have off from work today, and my family's going to be coming over later for hot dogs and ice cream and hanging out. And then tomorrow I will be making my way um, to Massachusetts and then from there to New Hampshire for a wedding and then for some camping and hiking in the White Mountains. And I was just thinking about how I'm definitely going to be listening to a lot of podcasts on the way. And I was like, I really want to put out a perennials episode for others who are going to be spending time maybe road tripping in the car this weekend or next week or just, you know, sometime soon this summer. Um, it's also my birthday um, this coming Sunday, the 7th, and so I've been reflecting a lot on different lessons from this year, things I've been practicing, things I've been learning, unlearning, relearning, and I've also been reading The Lord of the Rings for the first time. I read The Hobbit a few years ago. I've seen all the films before but I had never actually read The Lord of the Rings. And I'm finding that a lot, of the, a lot of the things I've been learning about or practicing this year, those like lessons and that wisdom I'm seeing in the text. And, I'm, and the text just, there's a lot of wisdom in there, a lot of interesting things to think about. And so in this time of reflection and then also looking forward to this trip I have coming up, this journey, um, you know, whenever I'm in the White Mountains of New Hampshire, I find myself thinking about The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings because mountains feature so prominently and journeying through the woods, journeying on foot. And every time I go for a hike in the Whites, even if it's just a day or two, it always feels like a little journey. Um, and I always feel kind of like Frodo, like this underdog that is like, okay, hope I can do this. <laughs> um, so with all of that in mind... I thought that it would be fun, you know, this is my definition of fun, to do an episode where I talk a little bit about some bits of wisdom from The Lord of the Rings. Now, disclaimer, I am not a J.R.R. Tolkien expert. I'm not a Lord of the Rings expert. Um, I know there are some really, really intense experts out there who can like speak elvish and you know are like historians of Tolkien and the world that he created but I'm not one of those so you know don't at me if you are and I mispronounce things or um you know get a few facts wrong here or there or just show my my lack of depth of knowledge of the books um but I just I'm really appreciating this book and Uh, I think even if you haven't read it, aren't familiar with it, I still think that this episode will make sense. And um, and so I, I guess I'll start, if you aren't familiar, just a very, very quick description of what the book is about. And, uh, you know, if you haven't, if you've only seen the movies, haven't seen them in a long time, here's a, a very quick refresher. So the setting is Middle Earth, where there are not only humans, but also wizards, elves, dwarves, trolls, all sorts of creatures, and my favorite, hobbits. So physically, hobbits are very similar to humans, but they're smaller. They're very nimble and quick when they need to be. They can kind of disappear quickly if they hear 
strangers coming or something because they don't like strangers. Um, they love, as Tolkien writes, peace and quiet and good-tilled earth. They love good food and drink and parties with their friends and relatives, and they don't like strangers and adventure. So The Lord of the Rings, which I've recently learned through reading the introduction written by the author, Tolkien, um, is actually just one long book, but the publishers broke it up into three separate books. So the first part one is called The Fellowship of the Ring, and it begins with the birthday party of a hobbit named Bilbo Baggins. Um, He's known as being very eccentric to his fellow hobbits in the Shire. Um, He once went on a quest years ago and returned home with lots of treasure. Um, So they, they kind of they tolerate his ex- his eccentricity because he's very generous with his abundance of treasure and his money. He throws big parties and things like that. Um, and something that he found on his adventure, his quest, was a ring that he keeps secret. He can use this ring to turn invisible, and he feels a really strong pull towards it. Um, he decides to leave the Shire at the beginning of the fellowship, um, he has decided to leave the Shire and leave everything to his nephew Frodo, including this ring. It's really difficult for him to give up the ring, and he needs encouragement to leave it to Frodo from his friend, the wizard Gandalf. Um, So after Bilbo leaves and he leaves everything to Frodo, Gandalf tells Frodo that the ring Bilbo left behind is very powerful and the Dark Lord Sauron is looking for it. And basically, very bad things are going to happen if Sauron gets this ring, and it needs to be destroyed. It needs certainly to be taken out of the Shire, but it can only be destroyed by the fires of Mount Doom, which are very far from the Shire. Gandalf says that he can't take the ring. He doesn't want to be corrupted by it, and everyone pretty much is um, is likely to be corrupted by the ring. But he believes that Frodo can and must be the one to carry it out of the Shire. And he tells Frodo, I'll always help you with this burden, but you need to carry it. And so the story begins. Which brings me to the first bit of wisdom or the first little lesson from the story, which is accept help, welcome miracles, and remember that we are all connected. When the, when the story begins, Frodo thinks that he has to and he's going to do this alone. And I think a lot of us begin that way, especially as young adults. Like, there's such an emphasis on individualism and independence, especially in, like, our current, um, certainly in the dominant culture in the United States. It's like, okay, time to go out there and make it on your own. And maybe that kind of comes from our, you know, our roots of like people going out west on their own. And but but very quickly, Frodo learns that actually he can't and won't do this alone. Yes, he alone is going to actually carry the ring, but Gandalf has pledged to always help him. Very quickly, um, his friend Sam Gamgee, another hobbit, uh, becomes his partner in crime and then two other hobbits Merry and Pippin um, are, are are along for the ride as well and it's really me- like moving because like hobbits they do not want to leave their comfortable home and I certainly wouldn't and the fact that like they just have this bravery in them and this loyalty and this 
this friendship um, with Bilbo that's so strong. I'd always find that really moving. And then even beyond just, you know, Gandalf and Frodo and his three Hobbit friends, like once the Hobbits leave the Shire and they start making their way, their their um, goal is to get to Rivendell, which is where the elves live. Um, the elves are very powerful and wise and... Um, and so they're trying to get to them. And along the way, you know, they have a really long journey on foot. They receive help from so many people. And some of it is completely unbidden and unexpected. Again, there's another brave hobbit, Farmer Maggot, who at one point um, gives them a ride on his wagon. You know, he hides them and, and brings them um, from Crick Hollow, I think, to the ford. He's just a farmer hobbit, you know, like, and he shows a lot of courage in bringing them in the dead of night when there are these evil um, riders, these black riders out um, who are bent on getting the ring and they're very powerful and terrifying and they know that they're out there and this farmer gives them a ride, um, shielding them. Uh, You know, there's also when they're in the woods at one point, um, they're in a lot of trouble. Someone is trapped inside a tree. Maybe two of them are trapped inside a tree. I can't remember. Um, and this this man, this very strange man creature named Tom Bombadil, uh, comes out of nowhere to their aid and uh, brings them to his home for a good night's sleep in a comfy bed and a great meal. Um, the elves in the woods give them a good meal and rest at one point, um, and then of course there's the innkeeper, uh, who Mister Butterbur, who helps them as much as he can and gives them a pony and. Um, and then there's Strider. Um, Strider is a ranger, a descendant, a man who is a descendant of kings, uh, who they, they would be dead without Strider for sure. Um, there's just all these helpers along the way. And, and like I said, with welcoming miracles, I mean, they're in some real pickles. And if these, if these brave, kind, you know, strangers didn't just appear out of nowhere to help them they would be dead (laughs) Uh, and it would be like the end of the world literally in this case and I think in the past I might have been like kind of rankled by that I might have been reading it like oh well that's convenient that that person's just there and blah 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 but like as I get older I see how there are so many things we can't control and so often people do show up to help you out (laughs) And it's really incredible. I remember reading something that Elizabeth Gilbert wrote. It was like a story about traveling and how whenever she has traveled alone, which has been a lot, she's just found so much kindness in strangers. Like she got really sick, I think when she was in, maybe when she was in Indonesia. And like this, she got really sick with a bad like fever and stuff. She like couldn't leave the house. And this older woman that she used to pass every day on the road um, near where she was staying, I guess, like noticed that she wasn't out and about anymore. And she just like went to the house and started taking care of her. Um, And I think that stuff, like it's really important to acknowledge and just to receive and just be grateful, like not question it and not think that we can control everything uh, and and stop every bad thing from happening, but accept that there are so many people around us who are going to help. Um, even if like, you know, Gandalf says like Frodo is going to be the one to carry this burden. People can't take the burden from him, but they're going to do everything they can to help him. 
And so just accepting and receiving help is something that I think, you know, learning to do that, learning like, okay, I can't control everything. It's not all on my shoulders, even if there are certain things that are my burden alone. Like there are so many people who are going to, who can help. Um, and, and then with that is this reminder of how connected we are. So spoiler, there will be spoilers in this. So just a reminder, um, when the hobbits and Strider get to Rivendell, um, Elrond is this great wise elf, um, who he, he, he hosts like a a council for, for all of these different people who have been drawn to Rivendell with questions about what's going on because men and dwarves and, um, and wizards have all noticed that there's this like darkness that is brewing and things are, things are getting a little, uh, scary. And so they've all kind of been drawn there. And Elrond says to them at this council, you do not stand alone. You will learn that your trouble is but part of the trouble of all the Western world. You have come here and are met and are here met in this very nick of time by chance as it may seem, yet it is not so. Believe rather that it is so ordered that we who sit here and none others must now find counsel for the peril of the world. So they're all, they're all there to talk about what is going on and what they're going to do about it. And so they all kind of share what they know. Um, They share different bits of the story of the ring, how it came to be, whose hands it's moved through, how much they think the Dark Lord Sauron knows about where it is. And they realize like, yeah, we're in a pickle. Um, He is definitely onto us. He probably knows we're here and is sending these riders right now. Um, but they're they're not sure what to do about it. And someone suggests just taking the ring and basically throwing it into the depths of the sea. Uh, they figure this will buy them some time. It'll get lost again as it was lost for a long time previously. And it won't cause any trouble for a long time. But Gandalf, who is infinitely wise and very good, says no to this kind of band-aid approach. He says, it is not our part here to take thought only for a season or for a few lives of men or for a passing age of the world. We should seek a final end of this menace, even if we do not hope to make one. And I was reading that this morning and all of it just feels so like contemporary to me. Um, And it made me think about an email I read this morning. So I am signed up for Richard Rohr's daily emails that come from the Center for Action and Contemplation. I would I would really recommend signing up for them if you're um, interested in... Uh, so Richard Rohr is a Franciscan. He is the director of the Center for Action and Contemplation. Um, he writes a lot of the daily emails, but he also has a lot of guest writers and of different faiths. It, it's, a, you know, it's a spiritual contemplative take. Um, it's oriented towards how do you how do you bring how do you practice contemplation and develop your own spirituality so that you can be of service to the wider world. Um, and today's email for the Fourth of July uh, was taken from something that S- Sister Simone Campbell uh, 
either wrote or it was a talk that she gave. I'm not sure. She's kind of famous for the nuns on the bus, uh, if you've ever heard of that. Um, she's a, a sister and also, I believe, has like a law degree. And she just does a lot for uh, social justice. And so this is from today's email. She says, the civil rights movement came out of community, but the legal expression focused on individuals' capacity to exercise their freedoms. I've begun to wonder if the new task of the first half of the century should be a commitment to civil obligations as a balance to the focus on civil rights. Civil obligations call each of us to participate out of a concern and commitment for the whole. Civil obligations call us to vote, to inform ourselves about the issues of the day, to engage in serious conversation about our nation's future, and learn to listen to various perspectives. To live our civil obligations means that everyone needs to be involved and that there needs to be room for everyone to exercise this involvement. This is the other side of civil rights. We all need our civil rights so that we can all exercise our civil obligations. And so just thinking about all of this interconnection, this emphasis on individualism, which makes us, leads us to think like we can't or shouldn't accept help. We have to do everything alone. But, you know, like when we, when we have that mindset, we can become very self-absorbed. Um, we can have a, we can struggle more than we need to. And we can forget that we have a responsibility to others. Um, I remember reading somewhere and I, Oh, I can't remember who said it. Maybe it was Viktor Frankl. I'll look it up. Like that growing up is not about becoming independent. It's about becoming someone that other people can depend on. And I really love that. Elrond says uh, in this council meeting, such is oft the course of deeds that move the wheels of the world. Small hands do them because they must, while the eyes of the great are elsewhere. And shortly after Gandalf says, only a small part is played in great deeds by any hero. And then it's very shortly after that, that, you know, everyone's kind of talking about how they don't believe that they can take the ring because to be destroyed, um, rather than just throwing the ring into the sea, they've decided like, we need to destroy it. We need to bring it to Mount Doom to be destroyed. But who can do this? Because everyone is really concerned that they will be corrupted by the ring, especially those who are already very powerful. And this is when Frodo, this little hobbit from the Shire, stands up and says, I'll take it. And Sam Gamgee, his friend, is like, I'm coming with you. And oh my gosh, it like always just gives me goosebumps because I I, I love what, what Elrond says and what Gandalf says about like, especially in this, in this culture in the U.S. of individualism, we often think that there's just like this one hero um, who's going to take all, you know, take all the burden and like be the one to save the day. And we focus so much on, on individual charismatic leaders. That's something that um, that Adrienne Marie Brown talks a lot about in this book called Emergent Strategy that I'm also reading right now. We focus so much on single individual charismatic leaders, but the truth is that great things happen by many, many people whose names and faces, so like, you know, the history books will never know doing their part. And that leads me to the other, another little piece of wisdom, which is that some things are more important than being comfortable. Um, the hobbits, you know, they love peace and quiet, and so do many of us. And, and yet, to protect that peace and quiet 
Frodo and Sam and Mary and Pippin, they're going to choose to be very, very uncomfortable. <laughs> and, um, and there are things in life where, you know, we just, they're going to be uncomfortable, but, but sometimes we, we have to, we have to be okay with discomfort. Um, if, if we want to learn and grow and discover things and move forward and sometimes just for the sake of the greater good. And this can be really small things. Like we have to also be really keep in mind in our daily lives that we can start small and just practice, you know, like it's, it's doesn't have to be like trying to take a leap to like the most dramatic um, challenges. We can start really small. I think that's kind of one of the things I've I take from reading the daily emails from Richard Rohr from the Center for Action and Contemplation is like little daily practices of like sitting with discomfort and not automatically numbing it or running away from it or avoiding it um, can really help us to like strengthen this a muscle um, where we can we can be with discomfort without automatically saying like, oh no, this is so bad. This is terrible. I don't want this. I don't like this. Like, you know, I have that voice in my head. (laughs) Um, But I do think that like, if we can practice like really keeping things in perspective and when there are very, you know, small discomforts, um, not thinking that it's the end of the world, I think is really helpful. So whether I think about even just, you know, another big theme in the Lord of the Rings is, is um, the land being under threat. Because Tolkien like really saw um, how technology was affecting, you know, like the English countryside that he loved so much. And I've been trying to be more mindful about like how much I waste. And, you know, so, I mean, this is, discomfort is maybe not quite the right word for this. But like in the past when I would have like takeout containers, you know, like when you order takeout and you get this like thick, thick plastic container and you're like, whoa, there's a lot of plastic. Um, Obviously, in order to make really big change, systems need to change. Like we need to have new policies for plastic bags and takeout containers and things like that. And all that work is really important. And really like that's where the change needs to happen. But as long as, as as an individual, like when I do have like plastic containers and things like that, like first I need to, to, just reduce how much how much I have and how much I consume. But when I have them, like I don't always feel like cleaning out that almond butter jar. You know, I don't feel like soaking it and taking a scrubbing brush or whatever. Um, or like it would be so much easier to just like throw out the takeout container um, because and there's like a mental discomfort at actually recognizing the waste, like actually looking at the amount of plastic that I use, you know, and like actually looking at what I throw away. There's like a mental discomfort there. But instead of just like avoiding it and just kind of throwing it away and not thinking about it, I've really been trying to practice this year, like clean, like questioning like what I need to consume. And then like when I do like cleaning it out and recycling it, and I know that that's not even really... Like even just recycling it for my own use, because I know recycling itself is not really the an answer. <laughs> um, but even just the act of like acknowledging it, like cleaning cleaning things and reusing them for myself, recycling them or throwing them away, like I'm actually acknowledging the use, um, and it's uncomfortable to think about, but I think it's important. Or you know, I've started exercising a lot more 
um, which helps a lot with my anxiety, I have to say. Um, but I don't like, I don't tend to have a huge, a very high tolerance for discomfort. So like when I'm doing like, say I'm doing like a yoga chair pose or whatever, I'm, I'm noticing how quick I am to be like, oh, I feel uncomfortable. I'm going to stop now. <laughs> and it's like, you don't have to be going super hard or like, you know, I don't believe in pushing yourself to the point of like injury or anything. That's silly. But there are definitely times when I'm like, okay, but can I take a few more breaths? Like, can I be with this? Like, do I have to automatically say like, this is bad? Or can I feel like, can I feel the energy? Can I feel actually the strength? And can I just like be with this for a little bit? Um, so I definitely have a lot of admiration for these hobbits who choose to leave the comfort of the Shire and, you know, do what they need to do. Now, having said all of that, the the book also shows the importance of feasting and resting when you get the chance. <laughs> so, you know, like there are weeks at a time where they are, the hobbits are, you know, just walking through through rain over rocks with these riders, you know, out to get them. It's uncomfortable. It's unpleasant. It's painful. And when opportunities come for them to rest and feast, they do. And they do it without guilt. And it's, you know, like they have their mission and they are focused. But when they get the opportunity to rest and feast, that's important. Um so there's a time like in the woods when the elves appear and, and um, they give them, you know, a good night's rest. And and Tom, at Tom Bombadil's house, like when he comes out of nowhere and brings them to his house, they have a great meal, a great night's sleep. They listen to stories. Um, it doesn't it doesn't mean that all their problems are gone, but they can't be like they can't be endlessly, endlessly, endlessly trudging and miserable um, because they won't have the strength to keep on with the mission. So I really, I really like that, you know, there are these little, little pockets uh, for them of respite. Um, and I know it's still early on in the whole thing. So, you know, I, ha- I haven't read uh, part two or part three yet. I- I'm sure that resting and feasting will be few and far between as things heat up. But even like when, when Gandalf uh, is first kind of telling Frodo about all this stuff, at one point he says to him, like, some things shouldn't be talked about at night. <laughs> like, he's meeting Frodo where he is. And yes, everything is urgent. But like, he recognizes if I tell Frodo, you know, before Frodo knows, knows anything about like the ring and what's going on, he recognizes like, I'm not going to tell him about these riders and this dark lord and, you know, the looming end of the world and how they're after they know his name and where he lives, you know, um, at in the dead of night. Like, let's get a good night's sleep. I'm going to tell him in the morning. And this is something that I've been trying to practice with myself is recognizing that there are just going to be some times when it's it's not the time to be taking on certain things. So, like, I tend to have this mindset, I think I've talked about it in the podcast before, of like, this is forever, you know, like if I'm in a bad mood or something, like, oh, this is forever. So like this week, I had a day where I just had a long day at work and I was tired and, you know, um, physically I wasn't feeling like 100%. I got home from work and I had had all these plans to like 
record a podcast episode, edit something, do laundry, go grocery shopping. Like I want, I had all these things I felt like I should be doing after work. And, and I had this feeling of like, oh, if I don't do it now, like I'm never going to do it or, you know, I'm just being lazy or whatever. And I've been learning to like summon this other voice in myself that's like, okay, Victoria, like you're really tired. You did have this long day. Um, you have cramps right now. I'll just say it. Why not? <laughs> like, it's okay to like have an evening where you just kind of, you know, lie down for a little bit, make your dinner. And then I think my roommate and I made a puzzle and watched Gilmore Girls. And I felt so much better. And I felt so much better the next day. And the next day I did a bunch of the things that I had to do because I had rested. <laughs> and I think, you know, it's really important to recognize like when you just need that. It doesn't make your mission, whatever that may be, doesn't make it any less important. And it doesn't mean you're not going to do all the things you need to do. It actually means you'll probably be able to do them with a clearer mind, with more energy, you know, with a happier spirit if you've taken some time to rest when you need to. And also like to feast. I think there's a lot of messages about food that particularly for women, not just for women, but there's a lot directed at women about like certain foods being bad and, you know, like certain ways of eating being clean or unclean or, you know, and it's like, there's so much shame and guilt wrapped up in that. And I just love that when the hobbits eat, they just love food and, you know, like, they just, <laughs> I love the idea of like food not being this source of shame and guilt and all of that crap. Um, I really want to read the book Women and Food and God. If anyone's read it, let me know. Um, because yeah, that's like a whole other topic for another time. Um, but I've just been practicing trying to be more like intuitive about eating rather than being like, oh, I should really be eating in this way, you know, like kind of being just getting to know myself more, listening to my own body when I'm hungry, when I'm full, what I seem to be craving. And um, yeah, I think that that is important too. I know that intuitive eating might seem like a little bit of a stretch of something that I've taken from the Lord of the Rings, but there you go. Okay, so the last thing I'm going to talk about is this. Do what you love, even if it seems like it doesn't matter. J.R.R. Tolkien was working on the Lord of the Rings itself, I think for like 12 years. I mean, it's really a lifetime's work because the whole thing started with him. Like he had this love of languages that I think he got from his mother and he started writing his own language. And then he started thinking about, oh, well, like who would have spoken this language? And it all kind of went from there. Um, I was lucky enough to get to go to, there was a Tolkien exhibit at the Morgan library in, um, Manhattan uh, this spring and I got to go and it was so amazing to see like you know just the like he he was also a really great he was a really good artist and there were all these like little sketches and paintings he had done and maps he had drawn like he created this whole this whole language this whole mythology and there was also like he was a very devoted family man he loved his wife and his kids very much and he he was always telling his children stories and drawing them pictures. There were, you know, like every Christmas he would write these 
letters from Santa with these beautiful drawings. They had some of those there. And it just got me thinking like, you know, he was a professor and I think a lot of other academics kind of look down on like his fantasy work. And it got me thinking like, if he, if he had thought everything that I do and the way that I spend my time has to be productive and it has to be productive in a way that society deems acceptable, we wouldn't have the Lord of the Rings, you know? Um, I, I think again, in our, in, in U.S. dominant culture with individualism, there's also this emphasis, you know, it's this capitalist emphasis on production and value and what we deem productive and valuable and worthwhile. And I know like for me, I can fall into the trap of when I have free time thinking like, for me, it often takes the guise of self-improvement. Like there should be something I should be doing to be better. I just need to be better. And that's not a great, not, it's not great. It's not very motivating. It doesn't make me happier. I don't think it really makes me kinder. Um, And yeah, just like, it's just not great. So I've been trying to lean into more recently, like just what are things that I love to do? Noticing what makes me you know, stay up later at night than I intended to because I'm so engrossed in it. Or, you know, I'm I'm like a hobbit in the way that I feel about like eating and meal times. Like, meal times are so sacred to me. Um, like I'm like, mm, I feel slightly hungry. Everything needs to stop now, and I need to eat. So if something makes me like forget to eat for a little bit, I know that I'm really engrossed in that. And so lately, like you know, I mentioned making a puzzle with my roommate. I used to love making puzzles and playing card games and reading and writing stories when I was a kid. All of those things are not, you know, inherently from a capitalist perspective, valuable or productive. But man, am I just a happier person when I do them. And that translates into me having more energy to actually bring to other people and more kindness and more compassion because I'm coming from a better place. Like, and to just like do something for the sheer enjoyment of it. Um, I'm so struck by the fact that Tolkien did that. He just loved languages and he loved history and mythology, like, and he loved creating art. He loved these things and he did them and he did them even when he had no idea what was going to come of all of it. And I think you know, early on when he was, when he sent out the manuscript, people were like, this is never going to (laughs) sell, you know? Um, And thank God that he just did what he loved because now we have it. And there are so many other people like that, so many other artists in the world that thank God they just did what they loved regardless of whether anyone else saw it as valuable because I think it is very valuable in the end, but maybe just not in ways that we can, you know, measure uh, the way that our society wants to. Uh, It makes me think of, you know, Tolkien was friends with C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. And there's this quote from C.S. Lewis that I think about a lot. He said, friendship is unnecessary, like philosophy, like art. It has no survival value. Rather, it is one of those things that gives value to survival. 
And lately I've just been thinking about that. Like I, I shared that I, you know, have been struggling with health anxiety a lot. Like, you know, I've had, I've struggled with anxiety and panic attacks for a long, long time. And it'll, my anxiety will, will latch onto certain things. And recently, you know, it's been health anxiety. I have been doing a lot better than, uh, you know, recently than I was in March when I posted an episode about it. But I started to think like, what do I want good health for? You know, like not just for its own sake, but what do, what do I want to do if, with my body while I'm here? You know, what do I want to do with good health? And so I started just taking note, like I want to go hiking in the woods. I want to do yoga. I want to exercise. I want to dance. I want to sing. I want to eat good food. I want to read good books. I want to make puzzles. You know, I want to write stories and poems. I want to listen to podcasts about history and literature for no reason other than I find it fascinating and that's fine. You know, I want to spend time with my friends and my family like hobbits, you know, just having a good time with each other, (laughs) laughing together. That's what I want. So, so this is my podcast episode for this week. (laughs) That's the wisdom from the Lord of the Rings part one. If you like this, let me know. And then as I read the next two books, maybe I'll do a part two and a part three. I don't know. Um, This is a little bit of an experiment of an episode. In general, I'd really love to hear like what people are connecting to with the podcast, maybe what you're not connecting to as much, like what types of episodes you like. Um, Do you just like the ones where I'm interviewing someone? Do you want to hear more where I talk about some things by myself? Um, Let me know. Send me an email, perennialspodcast at gmail.com. Also, I always end an episode by asking the guest what's something that you're learning about or growing into right now. That's kind of like what I just talked about for myself in this episode. I would love to hear what you are learning about or growing into right now. Uh, I really would. (laughs) So if there are just like questions, like it doesn't have to be a fully formed thought, but if there are just certain questions that are on your mind, something that you're curious about, something that you're learning about, half half baked ideas that are just running running through your brain send me an email or message me or on instagram at perennials podcast yeah i would love to hear from you i'd love to hear more about what sort of wisdom you're learning about or what lessons you're learning or things you're practicing now what you'd like to hear more of on the podcast so I hope that this podcast episode has been enjoyable and entertaining and I hope it finds you well and thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening to the Perennials Podcast. I'm Victoria Russell. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with a friend. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or leave a review on iTunes. It really helps other people to find the show. You can follow along on Instagram at Perennials Podcast and feel free to send me an email at perennialspodcast at gmail.com. The song you're hearing now is I Orbit a Moon by Paul Finn.